About 14 years ago, I was at First Presbyterian Church Orlando, and there was a famous author who had written a book called Getting the Love You Want. And he was there, and I was to introduce him. It was Wednesday night, and I, I stood up, and I, I thought I'd be funny, and I said, uh, I said, well, my wife is a little disappointed. Uh, she's here tonight. Uh, she thought that the author was coming to speak on wanting the love you get, right? <laughs> Referring to moi, right? And uh, that audience actually got the joke. So, um, <laughs> but the author, I could tell, you think of Queen Victoria. There are two, two different kinds of people in the world. There are those who understand and appreciate self-deprecating humor, and then there was this guy. <laughs> I could tell by his face that we were not amused. But anyway, you know, the, the idea that, uh, that, that, that you, you can find satisfaction at any moment in your life and as you go is something that seems like an elusive rabbit that we chase, doesn't it? Feeling a sense of satisfaction, being satisfied with where you are in life at any given moment, and not just thinking that being satisfied is just around the corner. Many years ago, uh, uh, a fellow who started Campus Crusade for Christ named Bill Bright, he wrote a little book called Satisfied, and it was directed at people who are living life far from God. And the reason why he knew that would connect is that even after we find God, we find a relationship with him, that our lives are changed, we still struggle, don't we? To be satisfied. What drives Pinterest, for example? <laughs> what drives Pinterest? You know what I'm talking about. I'm just scrolling through image after image of or, or Pottery Barn, you know, you, you open, and I'm not saying there's any, no, nothing wrong with kind of developing a sense of, oh, this is what I'd, I'd love to have for this room, or I'm looking for the perfect table or whatever. That, that's, that's wonderful. That's fine. But do you ever look at that perfect Pottery Barn room and, and then look at your room and go, oh, and you find by comparison some dissatisfaction with where you are and what you have. Or maybe you pull up to the light and you look to the right and you think, I, I know that person's just making payments, but man, that's, that's a nice car. By comparison, a lot of times we, we find ourselves dissatisfied with where we are, with what we have. That's why that, that, the Ten Commandments, the last one is, oh yeah, by the way, even after you're walking closely with me, remember, don't covet. It's not good for you. The twist here that we're about to see is that finding a sense of satisfaction in life is possible when we understand that satisfaction only comes by experiencing the presence of God as you go. That it's possible to live your life in the presence of God. That's what, that's what Jesus is talking about in these, these kingdom parables. 
The whole idea of the kingdom of God is, is just to say anywhere God reigns as king, that's where he is. When he reigns as king over your life, in every aspect of your life. You know, I, I, remember, uh, I remember driving along with one of my mentors in ministry, and there was, a, there was a, a car in front of us that had a bumper sticker, and it says, give your heart to Jesus. And he says, God doesn't want your old stinky heart. What are you, what, what's he talking about? <laughs> That's how everybody talks. That's how everybody talks. He wants all of us. He wants all of you. And not out of a sense of, oh, gosh, I guess I've got to bring that too, but, but, but to, to fill your life with a deep sense of satisfaction in every aspect of your life, not to carve it up into secular and sacred compartments. And the twist here in this passage is that he's using what we would think of as the greatest finds in the world to represent the presence of God. Hear this next astonishing parable of Jesus from Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes out and sells all that he has and he buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who, finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all he had and bought it. May God bless us today through the reading and then the reflection upon this, his holy word. Let's pray together. Father, with all our hearts, souls, minds, and strength. We would search for you, and we would find you. Draw us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was growing up, we had a little lake cabin. I've mentioned this a time or two on Lake Heiko on the border of North Carolina and Virginia. And we had a little John boat. We had a, we had a ski boat and a John boat, and we had a little canoe and different ways to be away from, from home and out on the lake. We also went exploring in different places throughout the woods there. There were just vast woods and often um, getting into trouble and finding things that uh, just all kinds of fun discoveries. It was definitely a Tom Sawyer kind of Huck Finn summertime for me. And um, my mom got frustrated trying to find us. And so she found this old farm bell, a huge old farm bell. And we knew that there was really one, one rule out there at the lake, and that was when you hear the bell, you better come. And so every now and then she'd bring that bell just to make sure we were still alive and, and get us to check in, or maybe it was supper time. And so she'd ring that old farm bell, and you could hear it for miles. It was incredible, especially across the water. Sound carries. We could hear that bell. Oh, we better get going. Reel in that line, head on back, check in. You know, I think a lot of you think of your faith in Christ a little bit like that. That every now and then you're just supposed to check in with him. 
that there's a bell and you're under obligation and it's Sunday and mom says put on your shoes and socks or maybe it's, maybe it's your husband or your wife or maybe it's just your own sense of conscience that you think, well, I just need to do this, I should do this, I'm obligated. So why does Jesus then talk about the presence of God in terms of buried treasure, in terms of this pearl of great price? It's because there is a, a longing in the human heart that needs to be filled again and again and again. And we will live life cold and in compartments that are disconnected from him. And he doesn't want that for you. God wants for you and for me to experience his presence everywhere we go. And as we go, increasingly. Well, how is that? How is it then that we get a greater sense of worth? You know, we, we think of worth way too much in, in, in terms of the things that we accumulate or the thing that we drive or the address that we have or, 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 or the, the, the job that got landed or, or whatever it is. We, we, we vest worth in things that we can never hold on to forever. Why would we do that? Well, there's a hunger for more. There is a hunger, and, and, and we try to fill that. Even after we're following Christ, we try to fill it with things that only God can satisfy. And so how do we, how do we increase that net worth as we go, that, that sense of deep satisfaction in life moment to moment? How do we do that? Well, by, by finding. First, it's by finding. Finding the presence of God. Jeremiah, God speaking through the prophet, says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You will find me. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, to find is to be in the presence of God, to experience the kingdom of heaven now, not, not in some distant time and place and promise, but now, to experience the presence of God even now. Now, in, in our culture, of course, it, it's, it's in vogue to be a seeker. It's okay to seek. You can go to the bookstore, you can browse Amazon, you can find title after title. You can read the New York Times and, and you, can, you, you can read uh, uh, you know, all kinds of, of different blogs and websites where, where it, we have permission in our day and age to be seekers after truth. But as soon as you speak about finding, there is a sense of, Criticism. Oh, I see. You're one of those, right? You get accused with the most cowardly ad hominem in all human history. Oh, are you one of those? They don't even come out and tell you what they're labeling you. They don't even tell you what name they're calling you. They're just going to say, oh, you're one of those, one of those finders, one of those people who think they have a corner on the truth. You all don't, don't let the spirit of the age that says that God cannot be found to deter you from seeking where X marks the spot. 
from finding that treasure, from being a finder, and not just being a perpetual seeker. Like, like Paul says of some folks, he was saying you know, to Timothy, he said, be, be careful about people who are always asking questions, always asking questions, but never arriving at any answers whatsoever. Chesterton put it this way. He said, he said our problem is that we have humility, but we have it in the wrong place. Humility has settled on the organ of conviction where it was never meant to be. Man was meant to be doubtful about himself, but undoubting about the truth. Let me say that again. Chesterton puts it this way. He says that our problem is that humility has landed upon the wrong thing in your life. It's landed upon conviction where it wasn't meant to be man was meant to be doubtful about himself but undoubting about the truth now we we know we are seekers we we are finders we expect to get certain things in life and we we go after them as though we can get them do we not absolutely you do you have ambitions you have desires and you go for them. And sometimes we seek lesser things. We seek things that can never fully, completely satisfy. We do. Makes me think of, of that uh, book uh, by Donald Miller, Blue Like Jazz. In the middle of this book, and again, this is written for people who, who are just perpetually seeking and asking questions. And he's, he's trying to gently say, you can find what you're looking for. And, and he talks about how he at one time was just, he was really just trying to satisfy his greatest ultimate desires with lesser things. And he said, he, he called it gorgeous carrot. All right, so I was after gorgeous carrot. And he, he writes these little cartoon pictures in the middle of this book. It's hysterical. You're reading along, and then all of a sudden you're going, whoa, here are these cartoon pictures. He says, this is me chasing gorgeous carrot. This is me catching gorgeous carrot. And then you turn the page, and it has his eyes X'd out, and it says, this is me choking on gorgeous carrot, right? <laughs> I think of that, that movie, one of the greatest movies of all time, Chariots of Fire. And Harold Abrams set up in contrast to Eric Little and Harold Abrams. Harold Abrams, who's, who's racing in the 1924 Olympic Games, saying, I have 10 lonely seconds to justify my existence. And he wins the 100-meter race. And there he is in that scene in the, in the locker room. And he is so obviously disappointed that his victory didn't bring him what he thought it would. That, sh that new shirt that you got and a couple weeks later, that, that shiny new thing that you got that you thought would make you feel more secure or with a greater sense of comfort and peace and security. And it just, it wears off. And sometimes it's just so deeply disappointing. We seek after lesser things where only God can satisfy. What's your gorgeous carrot?
You see in verse 44, it says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man, what? Found. He found it. Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like a treasure hidden in a field which a man was just always dreaming about, was just picturing in his mind and always seeking after. No, which a man found. And what does he do? He goes and sells everything that he has and he buys that field because he wants it to be his and there's nothing, nothing in this world that's going to keep him from it. What is that one thing that you would not give up for the greatest ultimate treasure of all time? What is that one thing that you would not give up? Think of it. Maybe you need to close your eyes for a minute and think, what is the one thing that you would not give up in order to find your ultimate thing? Well, that's your treasure. That's your real treasure. That's where your real investment lies. Whatever it is that you would not sell in order to get. That's your real treasure. There's a, um, there's a Japanese bazillionaire who just paid $100 million for a Jean-Michel Basquet painting of a skull. Did you hear about this? $110 million for one painting. This guy's name is Yasuku Masiwa. I practice this over and over again. Come on, people, be impressed. <laughs> Masiqua. Yasuku Masiqua. And he, he is, he is so, worth, worth so much money that $110 million isn't very much for him. But people were interviewing, why would you spend so much money for that, that one painting? And he said, well, I was watching it. It was competitive bidding, and I was really excited, and I just decided to go for it. $110 million for one painting. That's pretty amazing. Now, I'm not being critical of him. What I'm saying is, that's not really going for it. You know what would be going for it? Is if you weren't a multi-billionaire. If you only had $110 million. And you paid $110 million. Now, if someone had $110 million and they paid $110 million for a picture, can you imagine what that picture must look like? Now see, now that is a treasure. When you give it all, that's going for it. Now some of y'all are worried that that's what, that's what it really takes to have the presence of God in your life. Well, yeah, in a way, I mean, you, you, you may be worried that, that what I'm saying is that everyone really is the rich young ruler, right? When Jesus uh, has the rich young ruler, he comes up to me and says, how can I inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, well, you know, what, what does the scripture say? And he says, well, you know, keep the commandments and, 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 uh, and, and don't do really, 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 really bad stuff. And, uh, and, and Jesus said, okay, well, that's great. And he says, well, well um, Jesus said, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and then, then come back and talk to me. And the man went away disappointed. And some of you all are worried that, that if you're really going to find satisfaction, that you're going to have to, you're going to, have to take your $110 million 
and give it all away? Well, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. I think what, what we see happening here is that there is, there is gain, is that there is a sense of value that's greater than the rest of your life. That until you can see in contrast to the rest of your life that there is something ultimate that's not one of those things, then you are never going to be satisfied. What will it take? Ask yourself, what will it take to put God not in that first position where the bell is ringing And mom is calling, and you just have to come back to church. You have to just open that Bible that morning, not just to put God first and then get on with the rest of your life or the rest of your day, but to find him at the center of everything that you do. What will it take for you in particular? What will it take to find? Kierkegaard said, the thing is for me is to find that one thing for which I can live and die. It's all going to be taken from us eventually, everything. And so put it around the ultimate thing rather than after it in rank order. Find the presence of the kingdom of God in everything that you do and everything that you have. And so if you've got, you know, $5 for a grassroots coffee and, and that was part of what, you know, your plan and you've prayed through that and you want to spend, go for it. Go for it. Enjoy it. Do everything. Giving thanks. You see, that's what it starts to look like to have the presence of the kingdom of heaven in everything that you do. It's not just, well, you can't spend that on on a a, a cup of coffee. You've got to put that in the offering plate. No, it's everything that you are, everything that you have, whatever you're doing, do it in the name of the Father, giving thanks to him. The The second way that we find ourselves moment to moment deeply satisfied with life, finding greater satisfaction when you've, when you've chased gorgeous carrot and you've caught gorgeous carrot and you've choked on gorgeous carrot and you say, all right, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm putting you at the center of everything that I am, the center of my marriage, center of all my relationships, center of the way that I do business, center of the way that I structure my week, I'm putting you there. Well, then if you found that, then what do you do next? What's the, second, what's the second point about this? First, we've talked about the treasure. What's the pearl all about? Well, once you've found the kingdom of heaven in your midst, continue to seek it. Keep seeking. Find, yes, find. Now, I'm not saying it, seek and then find what, what, what's, what's paired up here is find and then seek. Now, hopefully you're scratching your head by now and thinking, how do I keep seeking after I've already found? Well, that's a good question. I think A.W. Tozier has a great answer for us about what it means to continue to seek even after you've found. He says this, to have found God and still to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. 
scorned by the too easily satisfied religionist, but justified in happy experience by the children of the burning heart. To continue to seek even after you have found. Let's tease that out for a minute. A friend of mine uh, in another town uh, is a, a financial planner, and one of the things that he does is he asks people their goals. But he doesn't just ask them their goals, like, I want to pay for this. Eventually, in 10 years, we want to buy this. And in 20 years, we need to be set up to be able to you know, put triplets through college. or Whatever it is, he's, he's saying, what? Okay, that's the tree on the hill, Right Now, I've talked about the tree on the hill in terms of vision. That, that may be the thing, that may be your goal, but he wants to know what's beyond that tree on the hill? What's beyond your, your goal? What's, what is your, the tree on your hill, whatever goal you're, 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 you're trying to seek and find? What's over the hills and far away? What is that tree on the hill, that great goal, that next goal, that 10-year goal, what is it lined up with? What do you care about? What really matters to you? And he wants to, he wants to find people that have found the kingdom of God, and he wants to help them build towards their life goals. He wants to invest in people who are investing in the kingdom of God. He wants to find people who aren't just trying to maximize their profits, but people who are seeking not only to be great stewards of their life, but seeking to accomplish certain financial goals in their lives because beyond that tree on the hill, over the hills and far away, is a strong sense of God's purpose in and through their life, moment to moment. To know that, that whatever you accomplish in your life, whether it's a financial goal or, or whether it's whether it's, it, it's, it's getting some degree or whether it's finding that person or, or, or whether it's, it's, it's getting to a certain level in CrossFit or whatever it is. I know there's some CrossFitters out there. Whatever it is, what's it lined up with? And when you get there, can you continue to seek? In other words, why are you seeking that thing? And is there a greater purpose behind it. You see, we're, we're called to suck the marrow out of life. I believe it. We're called to go for it. As Christians, we're not called to tippy-toe through the tulips. We're called to go for it as long as you're lined up with the kingdom of God. Here's how one great old hymn writer put it. He said, we taste thee O oh, thou living bread, and long to taste upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. You say, Tim, what, what practically what does it look like? How do I do that? Well, for some of you, you may need to go on a short-term mission trip. I've seen more people have their switch flipped by a short-term mission trip than maybe nearly any other thing. But I've also seen people who have taken like a financial course called Crown or Dave Ramsey where they realize 
everything they're doing, whether they're, they're buying new shoes for their, their son or daughter or whatever they're doing, it all belongs to him. And for some people, that's the switch that gets flipped where they realize that they, everything they're doing has, has significance and weight to it. For others of you, uh, you may need to look at the way you're spending your time and, and to structure it so that you have an ideal week and so that, that, that idea of how you spend your time, there's this, this pearl of great price to it. Or maybe for others of you, you need to get back in touch with the pearl of great price that was the reason you got into teaching in the first place or law or medicine or whatever it is that you do, being a mom. What is the pearl of great price, the ideal picture for you? that got you into it in the first place, to get back in touch. And, and some of you need to take some personal and emotional risks or you're just going to stay put where you are. And so for some of you, you need to listen when I say there are small groups that are going to be offered in the fall and you need to be in one of them. For some of you, you're going to stay put right where you are until you start taking some greater personal risks. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, how we thank you for the ways that you have offered yourself to us to be found. The ways that we've already found you. And for each one of us this morning, God, would you speak to us now in these closing moments? Would you grace us with your presence and your spirit to seal this word upon our hearts that we would be satisfied with nothing less than you and you alone. In Jesus' name.